Thank you for listening to the James Hooper Podcast. This is where you can hear sermons, discussions on various topics, and whatever else I feel like talking about. I trust you'll be encouraged, enlightened, and uplifted by something we say or do. Hang tight. Here we go. Two weeks ago, well, three, two weeks ago, Rich, Pastor Rich, was supposed to finish the series. But he texted me and he said, uh, can I have permission to not finish this series because God's put something else on my heart? And I said, cool, I'll finish it when I get back. And so we're going to finish our series called Lit. Um, this is, we're talking about the nine gifts of the Spirit, and we call it Lit because on the day of Pentecost, tongues as a fire came down on them. So I call it Lit. Okay, And so the first week, it was Pentecost Sunday, and we talked about what is Pentecost. What is Pentecost? And I gave you, uh, a lot of people have been really narrow-minded about what Pentecost is about, but what they didn't realize, it was God actually reconciling the Tower of Babel where he confused the languages and he disinherited all those nations. God actually disinherited them because God had a plan. And so the enemy got involved, he disinherited, but Pentecost was his plan to bring them back in, to re-inherit all the nations. And that's why they were speaking in different languages, the goodness of God. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Then the next week, we talked. the week after that, we talked about gifts of revelation. So we started the nine gifts. We talked about words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. And we talked about that discerning of spirits is not a gift of suspicion. It's where you can tell what spirit is motivating things what spirit is is going on in places. And a lot of times you can just recognize by what's happening, what spirit's happening. You can tell a spirit of chaos is in play a lot of times if there's a lot of turmoil in some situation. You know there's a spirit of chaos. God is not the God of chaos. So if there's chaos involved, God is not orchestrating that. God is the God of peace. Now, there may be times when it's there's, you're nervous about it or you're apprehensive about it because God's doing something that you're not familiar with and you're not sure about. But when there's chaos and it causes confusion, that's usually the work of the enemy. So you can recognize that and you can come against that spirit. So that's why we talk about discerning of spirits, all right? Then two weeks ago, three weeks ago, anyway, the last time I spoke, we talked about the gifts of power. We talked about the gift of faith, the gift of healings, and the gift of miracles. And we talked about that gift of faith, and I gave the example of my dad that had this situation where he had to take care of a certain situation. He actually could not doubt that God was going to help him in that situation. He, he, he said, it's just really strange. I've never had this happen before, but I just can't doubt. So that's the gift of faith. When God, God gives you that faith that you can operate, you can see what he's doing, all right? So let's go back to our theme scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's going to be on the screen. Those of you online, it'll be on your screen. And uh, be, put it full screen for me if you would so they can read it. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now he's not calling them ignorant. He's just saying, I don't want you to be uninformed. So verse 2 says, You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. 
There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. Remember, there, everybody's got a different gift, different ministries, but it's all from God, okay? There are differences, there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Remember, we were talking about they were polytheists, they believe in multiple gods, and what he's saying is all of this, these converted people that came from polytheism, they were attributing the different gifts to different gods. He's no, it's all the same God, all the same Spirit, all the same Jesus, and so it's all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, notice I underlined that, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So today we're wrapping up talking about the gifts of inspiration. The gifts of inspiration, and that is prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. We're going to talk about these things, and we're going to give some definitions, all right? So we're going to start with prophecy. Now, prophecy is a divine disclosure on behalf of the Spirit, an edifying revelation of the Spirit for the moment, and a sudden insight of the Spirit prompting exhortation and comfort. Now, in the definition, we gave some keys to prophecy. We talk about what prophecy is about. We get that from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. It says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Paul is telling the Corinthians, desire the spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. That's if you're talking in tongues. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. That is the, the, the job description of New Testament prophecy. So let's look at Old Testament prophecy versus New Testament prophecy. So Old Testament prophecy, because they didn't have the Holy Spirit, because people, the Holy Spirit, if you'll notice, it said the Spirit came on them, and they began to prophesy. All the Old Testament prophets, all of them would begin to prophesy. Jonah, and so what he was doing was Jonah went to Nineveh, and he said, turn or burn, basically. He said, God says, if you don't turn, if you don't quit doing what you're doing, he's going to destroy you. That was a directional word. And so that's what happened in the Old Testament. They needed directional words because they did not have the Holy Spirit to give them guidance and direction. We have, however, since the day of Pentecost, which we are read about in Acts chapter 2, we have the Holy Spirit in us. We have the Holy Spirit in us, but then we are subsequently baptized in the Holy Spirit. So being born again is baptized into Jesus 
and then receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a second baptism, is being baptized by the Holy Spirit. So then we, and we receive these gifts. And so since each person that's born again and spirit-filled has the Holy Spirit to give them direction, you do not have to be filled with the Holy Spirit to get direction from the Spirit. If you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit, but the gifts are just for baptism, baptizing the Holy Spirit. Very confusing but just hang with me. So what happens is now prophecy is just a inspirational thing. It's just a confirmational thing. So if somebody nowadays is saying they are prophets and they're prophesying doom and gloom, they are not operating in biblical prophecy, in New Testament biblical prophecy. They are stuck in Old Testament, and God doesn't do that anymore. Because now we have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit can say, you better straighten up. And what the prophet is supposed to do now is to confirm the word that the Holy Spirit's already speaking to you. So when we have our prophetic presbytery on the 30th of July, if you receive a prophetic word, it should confirm something that you already know or you had an idea about. Or it actually will ignite something in you that the Holy, that the Holy Spirit will say, Yes. Now, if you receive a word from a prophet and it doesn't resonate with you right away, then you have the right to set it aside and just wait and, and not let that thing bother you, not let it, because sometimes prophets can be wrong because we're humans. All right? Prophets are human. And so we, we understand that, they, that things, because back in the Old Testament, they were actually speaking for God. They didn't have the Holy Spirit to talk to them individually. They were speaking for God. So if a prophet was wrong back in the old days, they were stoned to death. They were killed. If their prophetic word didn't come to pass, they were killed. And people say, why don't we do that today? Because it's not the same thing. It's not the same prophecy. Now we are just to confirm things. We're just to... To edify, it says here in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians 14, he who prophesies speaks edification, and that comes from the word edifice. In other words, it's to build up for, to, for edification, for exhortation. Remember that? That's a gift. That's a, a, one of the gifts that we had when we were talking about uh, the gifts, talking about the gift, the uh, motivational gift, the gift of exhortation which Rich has the motivational gift of exhortation. But it's to exhort someone, to, to speak to them, to encourage them, and then for comfort. So edification, exhortation, and comfort. If it doesn't do that, it is not New Testament prophecy. It's somebody living in the Old Testament. And that's how some prophets can be, can be harsh, can be bitter, can be hard people. And they take some reason, some, people, some of them are very proud that they are hard people. But it's not God. That's not God. God is a loving, compassionate God. He can speak to you. He can speak directly to you. He don't need a man to speak to you, but he can confirm things through you. So prophecy, but Paul said in, these, in the church, he said, I would rather that you prophesy because then people understand because it's their language. You're speaking in your natural language, your native language. Here it would be the English, Okay. If it was the Hispanic church, it'd be in Spanish. So that's a natural language, okay? All right, so now we're going to move on to tongues. 
two tongues. Now, the gift of the tongues is of speaking supernaturally in a language not known to the individual. Now, the plural, remember it says tongues, not tongue. Tongues, the plural allows different forms, possibly harmonizing the known spoken languages, like in Acts chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. In other words, they spoke, we'll talk about that a little bit more here in a second, but they actually spoke known languages. They spoke natural languages there because the people that were visiting Jerusalem heard them speaking their language, talking about the the greatness of God and all the great things God had done. However, uh, but then there's also the unknown transrational utterances in Corinthians designed particularly for praying and singing in the Spirit, and mostly for private worship, okay? Mostly for private worship. 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, all right? So we had an instance where uh, one Sunday we had uh, some people visiting or here at the time they were attending here, and I was, I was trying to seek the Lord's guidance in the service. It was toward the end of the service, and I began to uh, pray in tongues, and I did it softly. I had the mic on. I should have turned the mic off, but I, I prayed softly, and I was praying in the Spirit for some direction. And what I was doing, I was praying in a um, transrational language. In other words, it's not a, a, an actual language. It is a heavenly language. So I had someone come up to me afterwards and say, well, you spoke in tongues, but shouldn't there be an interpretation? I said, well, no, it wasn't. What, what we call a declarative tongue. In other words, it, it has happened in our past, and it can happen that someone can get up in a service and speak a tongue out loud, give a tongue out loud, and then someone will give the interpretation. If it is for the congregation, there will be an interpretation. So if there's not an interpretation, we have to understand that person is just edifying themselves. So we've had this practice in the past in church when someone spoke a tongue, we would stop everything and just wait and wait and wait and wait. And then they would give that tongue again and we'd wait and wait and it would just interrupt the service. Well, there never was an interpretation or I have seen the instances where some, there's one person that always gives an interpretation, but they say the same thing every time they give an interpretation. So it's just, it's because it uses our emotions, it uses us, and so some people just get so excited, some people get so uh, excited about the Spirit that they will, they'll start speaking, but they speak out of their own mind. They don't speak out of, and a lot of times it's what they're dealing with and not what the Lord wants. So we, we don't do that as much here. Uh, because of the fact that it can be abused. I don't have anything against it, but if there's no interpretation, then we will recognize that person was just edifying themselves, and we'll go on, okay? All right. So, but I want to talk about the differences. I want to talk about, this is going to get some, some language. We're going to talk about glossolalia, okay? Glossolalia versus xenolalia. Or xenoglossia. So, glossolalia is what is normally known as speaking in tongues. That is what we call that speaking in tongues is glossolalia. Okay, 
um, is glossé from glossary. We got a word glossary from it, and Lele is speaking that. So that is the transrational language. That is the unknown language. But xenolalia is what they did in Acts chapter 4, I mean, Acts chapter 2. Uh, they spoke native languages. Now, I have been in a service, and I think I've talked about this before, where that has happened. A good friend of our family, uh, Dennis Center, he's gone on to be with the Lord, and uh, he and both his wife, we were in a service where he got up and he gave a tongue, but it actually turned out to be Mandarin Chinese. Because in that service, and then we had someone get up and interpret that. And so in that service, we actually had a visitor, and it was a woman that had her mother from China visiting. And so they came up, she brought her mother up, and her mother only spoke, spoke Mandarin. So they brought, she brought her mother up to the pastor and said, we want to talk to the guy that speaks in Mandarin Chinese. And he says, we don't have anybody that speaks in Mandarin Chinese. She said, yes, there was a gentleman that got up in the middle of the service and started saying, talking in Mandarin, and then there was somebody got up and said exactly what he was saying, but in English. So that has happened, and it spoke to that woman, and it really ministered to her. God can do those things, but that's not the norm. The norm is praying in tongues is our private language to God. And when it talks about that we don't know what we need to pray sometimes, a lot of times we get into prayer, and we just don't know how to pray. We don't know the mind of Christ. But that's when, when you're spirit-filled, you allow the Holy Spirit to begin to speak through you, and since the Holy Spirit is God, He speaks the mind of God to God, and so it happens because God has limited to working on this earth to... He only works on this earth if a man speaks it because He gave man the stewardship of this earth. God is not a micromanager. God does not take back what he gives us. He, he gave us stewardship of the earth when he told us to have dominion, to subdue the earth, to multiply, to replenish the earth. He said, here, this is yours to take care of. You know, work the garden, take care of it. I remember we talked about that our job was to spread the garden to make the kingdom of God global. The garden was just a specific place on the earth, and our job was to just spread, the, keep expanding the garden till it covered the earth. Well, Adam and Eve messed that up, but God's plan never changed. He still wants us to build the kingdom of God and spread it over the earth. So what he's done is he said, I have limited. God can do anything, okay? I'm not saying God can't, but God won't. God has limited himself. He will not Move on the earth unless somebody speaks it. So when we give the Holy Spirit permission to speak through us, he speaks the plan and the mind of God. Come on, somebody. He speaks the plan and the mind of God into this earth, into existence, so he can come and do what we just let the Holy Spirit pray. When we don't know what to pray because we don't know the mind of Christ at that time, we can let the Holy Spirit pray through us, and this is in our prayer time, this is in this, and we can let him pray through us so that he can affect change on this earth. God's awfully smart. He is so good. My goodness. Oh, I love it. But again, speaking in tongues is just for us, basically. It's not 
that's when, you know, because back in the day, you remember, Nate, growing up, that everybody wanted to speak in tongues. Everybody had to speak in tongues. And we, we as Pentecostals had gotten stuck on the speaking in tongues thing. When Paul says, oh, it's good, and we'll read here in a minute where he said, I, I'm, I speak in tongues more than y'all, but I would rather you speak in a known language because people that don't understand what's going on, they, they don't know what you're saying. It's more profitable, more beneficial for everyone if you speak, if you prophesy, speak in the in our instance, in the English language, if you speak in the English language, the mind of God, you speak what God has inspired you to say so that everyone can hear it and everyone can benefit from it, okay? But that brings us now to interpretation of tongues. So if you do speak in a tongue, for anybody to understand what's going on, there has to be an interpretation, okay? So interpretation of tongues is the gift of rendering that transrational but not irrational message of the Spirit meaningful to others. So in other words, you're taking what they can't understand and helping them to understand it when exercised in public, okay? It's not the translation of a foreign language. No, it's, it's, like, it's not somebody actually word for word. It's, what, what, it's the spirit of the word that you're giving. So a lot of times you'll get up, and, like in the, this instance where our friend Dennis Center got up and spoke in Mandarin, this person just actually... In, translated what he said, but they didn't know they were translating it. It was from the Spirit. But, but tra- interpretation of tongues is just speaking in English what the Lord just spoke, what the Holy Spirit just spoke. So that's necessary in the public setting so everybody can understand what's going on. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 4 through 5. I, I encourage you to read 1 Corinthians, especially 12, 13, and 14, because this gives you a whole understanding of what's going on. It says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues. This is Paul saying, I wish everybody did, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues. He's not talking about they're a better person. That's not what he's saying. He's saying their their job is more important at that time. Okay? They're greater than from he who, pro, who that speaks in tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. What is his goal here? He wants edification. He says everybody needs to be built up. Now, this is an, a side note. None of these gifts require a public setting. You can operate all these gifts in private. Just you, just two people. It doesn't have to be in a public setting. We have... We have limited these gifts of the Spirit to the church, to being done in the church. Now, the Corinthians did it in church, and so Paul's giving them some direction, but it's not limited to the church. In fact, I contest that it's mostly for out there because you can be talking to a friend, you can be talking to a neighbor, and the Holy Spirit can inspire you to speak a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, a prophecy. He can inspire you and not even know it. You don't have to say, Shandai, here's, thus saith the word of the Lord. You just say, you know, I feel like so-and-so. I, I really think so-and-so. And just begin to speak a word to them, and the Holy Spirit is speaking through you. And what it does is it's edifying them. It's building them up, and it draws them to God. This is what it's for. It is for everybody. Okay? So... Then, that being said, who is the beneficiary? Who benefits from all of these these gifts? 
1 Corinthians 14 again. We're going to continue on in 14. Verse 6 says, But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I, I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? In other words, if I speak to you in tongues, it's not going to help you unless I, I do this in English, in our instance, okay? Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? In other words, you can take a flute or a harp, and if they just make a noise, what's the purpose? What's the purpose of that noise? What's the purpose? Just making a sound on it. But unless you make specific sounds, unless you organize those sounds to where someone can, can understand it, then it's not, there's no use in it. And he says, for if a trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? You know, if they tell the bugler back in the day, that's how they told him, get ready for battle. The bugler would go out and he would his sound play a certain tune. Well, if he just went out there and said, wah, everybody going, what's going on? Well, about that time, the enemy's coming down on you. And they're going, what? What the? He said, well, I, I made a sound. I blew the trumpet. No, no, no. He says, uh, who will prepare for battle? Unless it makes a certain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. They are, it may be, there are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. There's all these natural languages, and they're, they're, they make sense to all those people. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, so he's talking, remember the Corinthians, he's handling an issue here. Since you're zealous for the spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. In other words, not that you can toot your own horn, not that you can say, I can speak in tongues, which is, has been the case in the Pentecostal church. For, I speak in tongues, I speak in tongues. Yeah, but you also got a forked tongue because you backbite so much and you're the most evil person I've ever seen. You meanest person. I mean, some of the tongue-talkingest people can be in some of the meanest people. Am I right, Nate? Some, that's, it's like, oh, my goodness. You get some ladies in there, and they're just all holy in church, but afterwards they gossiping like crazy. You ain't got the Holy Ghost. You got, you know, move on, bub. Just move on. All right. Um, uh, therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. He didn't say don't speak it, but he said, if you do speak in a tongue, pray that you may interpret, okay? For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. In other words, I don't know what I'm saying, so it's not really helping me a lot. Now, we'll get to something else in a second. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit. So Paul says, I will speak in tongue, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will pray in my language. I will sing in the, with the Spirit or in tongues, and I will also sing with understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of, of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not understand what you say? 
For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all, Paul says. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. What? Who's the beneficiary? Everybody. The, it is supposed to be everybody benefits from these gifts. This is not for me to feel good about myself. Now, it does say in Jude that I build it, building yourself up in your whole, most holy faith, speaking in the Spirit. In other words, you can build yourself up, but it's just you that gets built up. And sometimes you need that. Sometimes you can pray, and you just, you down low. You're feeling low, but you, the Holy Spirit can pray through you, and by the time you get through, you feel like you've been cleansed, like you have just, like you just, Prayed that, and it's just built you up, and you're strengthened. You're ready to charge hell with a water pistol. You're just, I mean, it just builds you up, but it's just building you up. And what is the purpose of the gift? To edify everybody. And so these, whole, these gifts are for everybody. So we're talking about the nine gifts of the Spirit. We're going to do a recap here. Word of wisdom, words of wisdom is a spiritual utterance at a given moment through the Spirit supernaturally disclosing the mind, purpose, and will of God as applied to a specific situation, all right? Words of knowledge, a supernatural revelation of information pertaining pertaining to a person or an event given for a specific purpose, usually having to do with the immediate need. I don't need to give all these definitions. We've done that. You can go back and see that. But discerning of spirits, that's all the gifts of revelation. Gifts of power or faith, healings, and miracles, all right? Now, the gifts of inspiration we talked about today, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. And then what are they good for? What are they for? To feel good about ourselves? No. To make us feel superior to non-spirit-filled beings. Now, let's, let's cover this right quick. Let me stop right here. I have heard several people that are not spirit-filled believers. They're going to heaven just as much as I am, okay? Understand this. If you're not a tongue talker, you can still go to heaven. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you confess your sins, if you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you are going to heaven. You don't have to speak in tongues to go to heaven. There are some denominations that believe you have to speak in No, 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 no. You do not have to have the gifts of the Holy Spirit to go to heaven. But as I've seen it, see, seen it read, I, I, I need the Holy Ghost to go to Walmart, much less to do anything else. Okay, I got to have the Holy Spirit to get to Walmart. But when we start saying uh, a lot of the non-spirit-filled believers, when we start saying we are full gospel, it offends them because they say, what do you mean? We're we're substandard because we're not full gospel. So we need to be careful in our terminology. We are spirit-filled Spirit-baptized believe They say they are spirit-filled because they received the Spirit at, at salvation, which that's true. We are, if you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, then we are spirit-baptized, okay? Now, we want, to, we want to build up the Holy... We don't want to cause division. That's not what the purpose is. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is not to cause division, not to cause people to feel inferior, but it is in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For the common good. 
for the, the New King James, for the profit of all. So when we operate in the gifts of the Spirit, it is for everybody's benefit. Are tongues beneficial? Yes, they are. They are beneficial, but mostly they are beneficial for us. But in a public setting, there has to be an interpretation or it will not be profitable to everybody. That's why we, we don't operate so much. We just never had that happen. I would not stop it from happening, but it's because that, that has been abused so much that we've just not had that happen here. Now, you see, now look at this. People say, well, if you don't have tongues in church, you're not, you're not Pentecostal. I beg to differ with you because I pray in the Spirit quite a lot, but it's in my prayer time. And you've heard me up here sometimes pray in the Spirit. And I pray for, when I pray for you guys, I pray in the Spirit. In fact, last night, I woke up at 1 o'clock in the morning because I'm 60 years old, and sometimes you got to get up at 1 o'clock in the morning to go use the bathroom. And I laid back down, and of course, my mind just starts going. And I'm thinking, 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 all these things going through my mind, and I couldn't. So I finally decided I'm going to get up and go to my recliner, get and do my scripture reading then instead of wait till 5 o'clock when the alarm was scheduled to go off. So I did my scripture reading, and I did my... The, prayer, the prayers and the declarations that I make, and I did that, and I was sitting there quiet before the Lord, and, of course, my mind would not be still. And so I finally said, okay, all right, if you're not going to be still, I'm going to pray. So I started praying for everybody in this church. I prayed for each one of you individually, and some that aren't here I prayed for. And I prayed for you guys, and the Lord, I began to let the Holy Spirit pray through me. In fact, so much so that I was going to tell you guys this, Nate and Amanda, I was going to tell you this before church and I didn't get a chance. I prayed that God would give you reliable transportation last night. I prayed that God would give you something that you could depend on that was comfortable, that your family could sit in, your family could ride in and be comfortable. All right? So we're in agreement together about that. The Holy Spirit prompted me to pray. I didn't know you were having trouble with your truck. But the Holy Spirit prompted me to pray that, and I prayed, and I stayed on that thing for a while. And I just began to intercede. I said, God, they have been faithful, and they need reliable transportation. Nate needs to be able to get to work. They need to be able to get to doctor's appointments. They need to be able to do this, that, and the other. And so I just began to pray that. God is going to, wants to use us in prayer. He wants to use these gifts to to, for everybody, for the profit of everybody. And so when we operate in these gifts, and I begin to pray in tongues about that, and when we operate in these gifts, God wants to use them to build up people. That's what it's for. This whole series is just for you to understand, you, A, this, these are gifts. And like my dad said, what is the natural response to gifts? It is, thank you. Thank you. You don't have to, if they're a gift, that doesn't mean you have to do anything to earn them. Now, back in the day, we said you had to tarry for the Holy Spirit. 
You had to lay under the piano. Of course, we always had pianos. You had to lay under the piano for hours and hours. You had to snot all over the altar. You had to stay there and had, had to have somebody over here saying, hold on, hold on, and somebody praying, let go, let go, let go. And you're up there going, I don't know, I don't know. And, you're just, and we've made it so hard, and it's just a gift. It's just a gift. And I love this testimony. When we were, we were having... Uh, Bible studies at mom and dad's house when we lived uh, up in the Dallas area. We were having a Bible study. We'd have Bible study on, on Tuesday night and uh, what did we have on Thursday night? Prayer meeting or something like that. Anyway, we had prayer we, before we started the church. And it were, so we'd had Bible study. And so we, we were at mom and dad's house. They had this big double wide trailer, big, huge. It was the dining room, the formal dining room and the living room were all one big room. And so we, we put, mom would, we had a big table anyway. Mom always had a big tables, so all of us get around it. And then we put brought folding tables. Put them all. We had people around the table, so we'd had our Bible study, and so we'd gotten up to go get snacks because when Mom's around, we always have snacks. And so we'd finished our Bible study. We'd had snacks, and so me and Dad were sitting at the table, and this lady named Diane, who was a, uh, a former bouncer at a biker bar, she was the bouncer at the biker bar. Okay, tough, tough girl. Uh, sweetheart, but tough girl. So she was sitting over there. She was sitting by dad, and I was sitting next to her. She was in between me and dad. And so everybody else had gone up to God, and she said, Pastor Butch, I want to talk to you about something. He said, what's that? She said, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, okay. So he began to tell her, it's just a gift. All you have to do is receive it. Just let the Lord speak to you, all this kind of stuff. And so me and dad, after he'd given her some instruction, we began to pray for her. I mean, and we weren't praying. I mean, we weren't bombarding heaven and all this kind of... We were just praying. Lord, you know, fill her with your Holy Spirit, baptize her in your Holy Spirit, blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't, it wasn't 30 seconds. All of a sudden, she began speaking in this tongue that sounded like a mature Christian had been speaking in all of her life. My dad said, stop, stop. He said, who have you heard speak like that? Because it wasn't how we speak, and we've always, we pray in front. Who have you heard? Nobody. Are you, are you copying anybody that you heard? No, no, sir. Okay, go. And she just took off, started speaking in tongues. And I mean, it's just that easy. It's just that simple. And we make it such a psychological thing. And, we, and my, my problem was I didn't want to be filled with the Spirit because I didn't want to lose control of myself. Because you know I'd seen it, Nate. You know what I'm talking about. You'd seen people lose control of themselves all over. They just go be stupid. I mean, it's just straight up. They just do stupid things. And it's like, what's, who's, who's that helping? It's just helping you. You know, it's just kind of a, like, uh, you know, sometimes to, to release stress, you'll go and just yell, ah, and you release stress. Well, that's just all they were doing. I mean, and that's all they knew, okay? To, to, for their defense, that's all they knew. That's all they were taught. And so I said, I am not going to look like that. Because I'm going to stay. You know me, i got to be in control. i got to look just right. i got to be just right. And so when I was 23, engaged to that woman, unbeknownst to me, she was praying God to fill me with the Holy Spirit before we got married. She was, she didn't tell me she was praying that, but she was praying that. And we sat on the front row. I know I've given this testimony before, but there may be somebody watching that hasn't heard this before. We were sitting on the front row at Full Gospel Church in Denton. And... uh 
it was at the end of the service, we were having an altar time, you know, where people had come forward to be prayed for and stuff, and there, the, the band was playing and stuff. We were sitting on the front row, and Sister Danello was sitting next to me. And Sharon was on this side, I believe on this side, Sister Danello, sweetest woman, sweetest woman ever. Her husband played trumpet in the band. She sat down next to me, and she began to talk to me about being filled with the Spirit. And she began to explain to me, listen, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will not make you do things you don't want to do. And that's what people had thought, that just, you know, Holy Spirit, come on, you just do stuff you don't want to do. He said, she said, he will not make you do what you don't want to do. But what he does is he enhances who you are. And when she said that to me, which I just now remembered that, she said, he will enhance who you are. I said, oh, okay. And so she began to pray with me. And so I just began to pray. And I just heard a couple of things in my head, a couple of things that weren't English, phrases. So I just began to verbalize them really quietly, not out. I didn't get up and say, you know, I didn't do that. I just really quietly, and she just began to say, she, that's it, that's it. And so I heard a couple more phrases, and I said them, and then I kept her, and they were just building and building and building. And it wasn't long. I was just praying, just going fluid, straight out, praying in tongues. And I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at that moment. And God will meet you where you are. Because he made you like you are. He made you the way you are. So he's going to meet you that way. He's good like that. And so this morning, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. If you haven't already received the Holy Spirit, I know we're we're late, but... I want to give you this opportunity before we go. If you have not received the the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. It's just simple. It's just easy. It's just a gift. It's not weird. It's It's just something between you and God, something that He wants to give you so that you can pray the mind of God. Whenever you don't know how to pray, you just sometimes you pray and you say, God, I don't know what. I don't know how I need to pray. I don't know. You're going to be faced with situations that you don't know which way to go, which decision to make. And if you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you can begin to pray in the Spirit and let Him pray the mind of God. Let Him pray what He wants to happen in this earth. Let Him do it, and then you just get to be the beneficiary of it. You get to be edified by it. You get to be exhorted by it. You get to be comforted by it. I'm glad you took the time to listen to the James Hooper podcast. If you'd do me a favor, give us a like. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Also, rate and review us so others can find the podcast. If you want to contact us, go to jhimonline.org or send us an email at info at jhimonline.org. Until next time, have a great day.